Welcome into a brand new episode of 300 Yards to Unknown. I'm Rick Gaiman coming to you from Blue Wire Studios inside the Win Las Vegas. And today, we're not talking about the present. We're not talking about the past. We're talking about the future of golf. We sit here in 2022. The landscape of our game has never been more up in the air. And maybe we'll look ahead. What does it look like in 2052? What does it look like in 2072? Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of change in our game in just the last two years. You start looking forward. You start rolling the clock forward. More questions than answers come about. So I'll spend uh, a little bit of time wildly speculating about what could happen in the future with obviously uh, your feedback, your comments, your concerns always much appreciated. Let's start with uh, the obvious elephant in the room. It's live golf. I was playing um, two weeks ago. I got paired up with a, a really great couple of guys and they were asking a lot of questions about live golf. And one of the first things they asked was, is that like, can this stay? Can this sustain? Uh, will this be around in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20, like whatever, what does this look like in the future? And it's a really great question. And it's one that there's probably no correct answer to, because there's a lot of different ways this can go from a purely golf business standpoint. Uh, live golf has always been, and likely will be unsustainable, right? When you drop a billion dollars on talent, and you drop $2 billion into the Asian tour and the cost of 14 events globally. It's incredibly expensive stuff. Now they're going to start uh, buying airtime on Fox Sports. They're going to offer, um, you know, ju it's just it's just so, it's so unsustainable from a, from a golf business standpoint where you have little to no revenue, little to no income, but that's never been the plan for them. Um, you know, the the public investment fr uh, fund of Saudi Arabia, they, they can make money a billion different ways. We've talked about that. So it's never been about the golf product making money. Uh, the two barriers to live golf existing forever or for the next 20 years, uh, one is Mohammed bin Salman, which is right? Like an MBS drop on a golf podcast. What a world we're, we're living in. But um, for those who have done business with him, for those that have spent time personally with him, you're almost hearing him described as like a 15-year-old with a trillion dollars, right? There's a chance that he just gets bored at some point and pulls the plug on this. Wouldn't be the first time that a project lasts for a couple of years or never really comes to fruition when you have one person potentially deciding whether or not Live Golf continues to spend money, continues to have tournaments, like that's that's one barrier, right? You have one, one, um, one point of failure is what we'd call that in the business world, right? One point of failure, and it's MBS. Uh, so that's kind of risk number one to the future of Live. Risk number two is the inability to continue to recruit, right? Have we talked enough about this? You know, there's been for twelve months. Who's going? Who's not going? When are they going? That conversation eventually dies down, right? Because we have um, most of the guys who are going to go have already gone. What would be the incentive for more golfers to go? Would it be um, a $200 million or $100 million guarantee? Well, you can't imagine they're going to continue to offer those, right? I know it's unlimited money, but you can't, you can't imagine they're going to continue to offer those. There is a lot of 
concern about whether they're going to end up getting official World Golf ranking points, which is going to certainly um, make the decision harder for some guys who want to go. But Live Golf only succeeds if it gets golfers that the casual fan or that golf fans care about. Uh, and they don't have to be good. They don't have to be good, right? It could be Bubba Watson, Henrik Stenson, Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed. If you care about them, you might tune in and be interested in live golf. How do you get, uh, you know, five and 10 years down the road, how does live get golfers you care about? Well, they're probably not going to be golfers that come up through the Asian tour because most American golf fans don't, don't care or don't follow that. So there's not going to be a star that you're like, oh, I cannot wait to see Travis Smith get through Asian qualifying and get on to live. That's an unlikely scenario. The, the way that they are going to be able to, to get relevant golfers that you're interested in, in which they can turn around and sell pro-am opportunities to, is still going to be via the PGA Tour, right? You're going to have, or major championships. Those are the two ways. You're going to have golfers that uh, come to relevance via the PGA Tour and Live Golf wants to snap them up, or you are going to have to have golfers who come to relevance through major championships and then Live Golf gets to snap them up. That's really the only way. Do you see a scenario in which there is a homegrown Live star? Probably not. You know, even if it was the number one, number two, number three amateurs in the game, the top five college players, if they all immediately went to Live you are still losing out on context of those golfers, right? Do you care? Could, could the average golf fan name any co collegiate golfer inside the top 10 of the PGA Tour U rankings or of the college rankings or of the world amateur rankings? No, right? So, so that's where I think the trouble for Liv is going to end up being. I think if you ask me, um, will it continue to exist? I In like 10 years, I kind of lean towards no, um, you know, you're going to see wholesale changes from the PGA tour. You're going to see a bunch of defenses put up. You're going to see just a lot of the landscape changing. And I'm not necessarily sure the current system of live exists, whether it merge, whether it just becomes the Asian tour that that's maybe the most likely scenario, right? This kind of just morphs into the Asian tour that continues to exist so on and so forth. But I'm not quite bullish on what the live product looks like, um, at least in terms of players in 10 years or so. So we'll obviously, I don't get to be wrong on this take for, for 10 years, but we'll see how it goes. Um, the one thing that I do find interesting, and, and we've talked a little bit about this, um, you know, the PGA tour has really not had competition for 70 years. Right. And now they're getting it and they're getting a lot of it. And I think it's going to create a situation in which, you're only going to get more of it, right? What what is Live Golf's proof? One, if you have unlimited funds, you can do a lot to disrupt the current state of the game. But it also kind of shows that um, you know players aren't necessarily that super loyal uh, to the PGA Tour, especially the guys that didn't grow up watching the PGA Tour. Uh, there are obviously flaws in the system that the PGA Tour has has in place, and if the money wasn't coming from the Saudi Arabian government. Live Golf probably would have put the PGA Tour out of business by now, right? Like, that's kind of what I've learned in the last year or so. And that says to me, uh, this area is still very ripe for competition. Like, what happened to PGL, right? PGL was 
was Liv, but being backed by British bankers. What what happened to that? I mean, I think there would have been a much better response to Wall Street money or to old British money than to um, Saudi Arabian public investment fund money, right? Like, I, I think I think PGL still kind of lurking around and offering some competition to the PGA Tour is something that we're going to see in the future. And it's not just going to be outside competition, right? Like, the phone calls coming from inside the house. Uh, because I think the players themselves are going to offer up a lot of competition to the PGA Tour in the future, right? Look look 20 years into the future. What do you have? You're going to have players that make more money than they do now. They're going to make a lot more money on the course. They're going to make a lot more money off the course. They already want to choose their own schedules. They're already discussing owning their own media rights. They want their media rights. They want to create their schedule. They want their cake and they want to eat it too. I get that. So we have a situation where the players are already uh, trying to get themselves a bigger piece of the pie, trying to get themselves more exposure. Tiger and Rory McIlroy are creating a startup league. And maybe I put that into quotation marks because I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be popular or not, but I imagine a scenario in which the players get a lot more involved in this, right? Uh, the pros and cons of being an independent contractor and being a part of the PGA Tour could come back to bite the PGA Tour. Could you imagine a scenario in which instead of the top 20 golfers in the world, the top 30 golfers in the world aligning their schedules for the PGA Tour to just create their own tour? Right? This is kind of the argument that was that that I made in regards to the NCAA. Right? Like the NCAA only existed because all the colleges and all the big time college football programs and all these 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 I mean they're businesses of their own. You know, University of Texas football is a business, right? It's a huge, very successful business. They all just agreed that the NCAA should exist and they should be a part of it. And I always thought that at some point they were just going to bounce and go create their own thing. And who was going to stop them, right? The NCAA only exists because people agree it exists. And you kind of saw the death of the NCAA when, you know, these players are allowed to do their, their name and, and likeness now, right? Like that's, that's just a huge, something that was always so anti-NCAA. Uh, I was an NCAA athlete and the th like, I mean, if you got $5, a $5 tip for doing something like you had to disclose, it was like absolute insanity, right? So there's no surprise that, that, that the NCAA and that organization is going the way that it is, but you could see that, right? Like what, what's stopping 50 players from saying, yeah, we're just going to create our own thing and we'll choose when to play and how to play and what the rules are. And uh, we'll sell sponsorships. Like if you, if Rory, Tiger, and twenty guys uh, go start a a a thirty five tour event, you know who's going with them? Titleist, TaylorMade, Nike, um, Odyssey, Cal, like everybody, right? They're gonna have no problem selling this. They're gonna have no problem funding it. They're gonna have no problem doing anything. So, I genuinely think there is a player run tour. Uh, at some point in the future. might take 50 years, but I, I think that's the way we're going, especially with the power and the money that these players have right now. The other thing 
Um, so so the, the state of the tour slash tours is probably where we're going to see the biggest changes. We're already seeing it. We've got a breakthrough competitor for the first time. There seems to be a, a, a huge advantage to having one real, true global world tour, right? Not just the PGA Tour, which primarily resides in North America, not just the European Tour, which obviously primarily resides in Europe, not a uh, South African Tour, not a, an Australian Golf League, not, like none of that. A true world tour with, rele with relegation and promotion. Because if the PGA Tour had been a true world tour 10 years ago, boxing out competition would have been a lot harder, right? That would have been an opportunity for them to say, what are you talking about? You, you, we do play in Australia. We do play globally. We do create prestige and stars all across the globe, not just here in the United States. And any way in or out of the world tour would have ran through them. Now, we could argue the merits of this and whether um, a monopoly of a world tour is good or not and how the logistics of all of that would even happen, but... That seems like a likely scenario, doesn't it? When, when you start to get more competition, which we already have, you're going to get players that want to run their own tour, and you're going to want an expansion of tours. Why did, why did the PGA Tour increase its stake and its, its strategic alliance with the DP World Tour, the European Tour? Because they know the more territory that they control, the more leagues that they control, the more things that they have favor in, it's beneficial to them. So on a larger scale, 50 years from now, that looks like a world tour. And you'll still likely have the top league, whatever they call it, PGA Tour Plus, PGA Tour Elite, whatever, that plays in North America and then once every four years it goes to Australia, once every four years it goes to Europe, once every four years it goes to South America, whatever. That would be like PGA Tour Elite and then kind of similar to the, the soccer uh, leagues in, in Europe. One one slot below that. Well, now that is a league that's based out of Europe, right? I mean, you have you already have the European Tour, you have the Challenge Tour. Like this, this system already exists. But if you have the ability to relegate guys across these leagues, um, more so than you do now with the Corn Ferry and the PGA Tour, like they try, they're trying this. They just didn't go far enough. So a true World Tour would go far enough and have the ability to uh, at least try to box out competitors. And that's something you probably have to do soon if you're the PGA Tour because, um, listen, it's like these guys are getting richer, right? These players, they want to go into like, – Tiger Woods is, is his own company. Uh, Tiger Woods is his own media company. Roy McIlroy is his own company. Jordan Spieth is his own company, right? They're making boatloads on and off the golf course. Uh, we are seeing other athletes, even those that are now retired, getting much more involved. Charles Barkley makes more now than he ever has. Shaq probably makes more now than he ever has. That might be close, but you get what I'm saying. Um, the Mannings have Omaha Productions, which now they're a production company. They are literally media companies. They're literally production companies. I want to take a second to talk about Athletic Greens, which has become a staple in my daily routine. And for those of you who have been following for a while, you know that I take gut health very seriously. So I started taking AG1 as an attempt to get everything down there under control. And I've been taking it for a few weeks and I feel much better throughout the day. I'm having way less acid reflux and I've been able to stay focused for longer when I'm sitting in front of a computer. It's one scoop of a green drink that I take first thing in the morning and I know what you're thinking, a green 
drink like trust me i've i've tried all of them and most have a chalky or a chunky taste to them which is not great most smell horrible i'll i'll admit all of that uh athletic greens for me bucks that trend it's smooth there's there's no chunks the smell is is just fine and it's easy enough for me to get get it down when i take it at 5 30 in the morning it's legit 75 high quality vitamins probiotics and adaptogens so it's no surprise that i'm actually feeling better and when i rattle off the benefits it sounds like it's going to be really expensive uh, it's quite reasonable it comes out to about three dollars a day and i tell my wife all the time there is no price that I wouldn't pay to feel good, especially gut stuff, because it controls so much other things that go on in your body. So imagine paying $3 a day to feel good. That's some of the best ROI I could ever imagine. Um, so if you want to get involved, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of um, immune-supporting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. Uh, visit athleticgreens.com slash 300 yards. Again, that's athleticgreens.com 300 yards to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Couldn't you see more players doing that? Couldn't you see uh, them banding together and say, listen, I don't, I'm not going to deal with the, P I don't need to deal with the PGA tour here, right? I don't need to deal with this uh, and worry about my media rights. And, and they, and they could be huge advocates for the PGA tour. Rory McIlroy, a huge advocate for the PGA tour is starting up a different league. Now it'll be in partnership with the PGA tour and it'll be in partnership with tiger and all that stuff. But what happens when it's not right? Who's going to be that first guy? What if in 20 years, John Rahm at the end of his career has a boatload of cash and he wants to create a new European tour. Who's going to stop him? Nobody. It's going to probably be successful. Uh, so interested to see how kind of players take this into their own hands. I think we've learned a lot that these tours are only as good as the players that they have, right? It, it is why Liv has uh, pilfered certain types of golfers, people that are popular, um, major championship winners, household names, guys that rank highly on the PIP. Right, they got half the pip list from last year, so there, there's there's an obvious connection to these tours only being as strong as the players that they have. All right, enough with the tours because that's that's kind of the big elephant in the room. It's the big thing that's changing right now, and in twenty to thirty or fifty years, it's going to look a lot differently. Um, as with time in general, and looking into the future, the first thing you think about is technology, as you should. Right, the Jetsons showed us flying cars, almost there working on it, but you look to the future of golf tech. Launch monitors today have never been more accessible. Every single pro at most levels has one, um, and they are the size of a loaf of bread, smaller than that, and portable, and they work inside and outside. T 10 years ago, that maybe not even 10, less than 10 years ago, that was a crazy thought that every professional golfer at the highest level would be able to walk around with a device that shows them everything they need to know about their game. Have you ever seen the old launch monitors? They're basically the size of a, an armoire, right? And it would give you very little information. wouldn't be all that accurate. Uh, we are getting more and more access to launch monitors. We're getting more and more access to simulators. 
recreational players have access to this. Uh, recreational players know their swing speeds, uh, their ball speeds, all that stuff, right? We have never had more access to this technology. There is likely a time, and maybe we're close to it, where your iPhone will be a launch monitor, right? Your iPhone has an accelerometer. It has three or four cameras that are beyond uh, what we could have imagined seven or eight years ago, walking around in our pocket. There is, it is, whether this exists or not yet, it might, it is like three years away from your iPhone being your launch monitor, which is crazy, right? So we're going to have access to a lot more of this technology. Uh, we're already seeing golf being played in virtual reality, right? Uh, that's how you're going to be able to practice your game. We are seeing, we, there are probably golf courses in the metaverse. I don't know. I haven't been in the metaverse. I'd love to be probably some good golf there. Yeah, I would imagine. So th that's going to be the future of this. And what it's also going to create is um, the intersection of classic golf, go to a golf course, play 18 holes, and tech golf or simulator golf or top golf, right? Top golf has lived in that realm. We've already seen where some of these golf courses that are struggling, right? We saw, um, I think it was in California, where there was an 18-hole golf course, and what they're going to do, I don't think it's open yet, is that they're taking nine holes, getting rid of them, and putting in a top golf or a, a drive shack or whatever the competitor. I don't even know if it's top golf, but it's something like that. And so, and they're putting lights on the other nine holes. So now golf is uh, much more social, much more recreational. You have the opportunity to go play nine holes, well-maintained, well-kept holes under the lights all day, all night, or you can go over here to Topgolf, get an infusion of tech, get an infusion of statistics, get an infusion of alcohol, whatever that might look like. That's all available to you in one spot. These shared spaces between the old uh, golf guard, the classic golf guard, and the new accessible golf, like they're already being intertwined. And if you get a couple of really strong examples of this, where these are successful, most golf courses lose money, right? If you get a successful example of this, you're going to start to see it take off, um, which leads to another issue, right? We have golf course issues. We've got um, you know, we were just talking about it here in Las Vegas. Like we've got water issues on, on these golf courses and most courses are not good businesses, right? If you invest or buy a golf course, unless it's prime real estate or you're doing something different than everybody else, it's going to be hard for you to make money. The amount of time and energy and investment it takes to maintain a golf course is insane, right? So, so what, how sustainable are 40,000 golf courses in America? Probably not that sustainable, right? And we're already seeing that. So um, I think you'll see a lot of infusion in tech. Uh, even, even five or 10 years ago, we were seeing that some golf courses, especially in the Northeast or in places that have a, a, a real winter, would install three or four simulator bays. And that's, you could say, okay, come and, come and play. This is how we can get revenue in the winter. Like, yeah, but now I want to do that all year round. Right now, I want I want I want simulators all year round, and I want uh, Top Tracer, and I want my TrackMan, and I want all that stuff. Right, we're seeing uh, driving ranges install the TrackMan system, 
for the range or for or top tracer, which gives everyone on the range the ability to see the shots that they're hitting. This is what the future of golf looks like. We're seeing it in very, very small uh, bits and pieces as it continues to roll out all over the country. Um, I also imagine like the the current system of 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 playing golf is is pretty bad, right? Uh, it is. If you're not a member, if you're going to a public golf course, it is trying to get a tee time, uh, which hopefully you can get. Most people playing on weekends in which you're probably looking at a five or a six hour round. And it is getting more expensive, right? More people, I mean, more people are playing golf in 2022 than they were in 2012. And not sure that trend particularly you know, discontinues. I think we're continuing on that up, up into the right trajectory. So we're going to have a more, more and more of a tea time problem. We're going to have more and more of um, a membership problem, right? Maybe this isn't as big of a deal if you're a member of a private club because there's less people, there's less competition. You pay your initiation, you pay your monthly fees, you have the ability to come and play. I would be surprised if in the future, more just regular public golf courses didn't start taking on like a subscription base right? With everything being like everything in my life is a subscription base, right? It's Netflix. It's this, it's that, like I'm paying nine bucks a month for a hundred different things. Uh, why aren't in the same way that gyms do this? Uh, why aren't golf courses offering a subscription rate? I'm not saying it's good or bad. could be horrible. could be horrible because you still have to figure out a way to manage tee times, get people out on the golf course. But like I see a scenario in which these golf courses have to do something drastic in their pricing or drastic in the way that they are formatted to continue to reap the benefits of people being interested in playing golf because golf courses are also now in competition with top golf golf courses are now in competition with people buying a launch monitor at home. We bought a simulator at home. It's the greatest thing I ever did. Why do I have to go to a golf course anymore? I still do, but like I'm sick. I'm not normal. Like, but that is it. I have access to any golf course I want on a simulator. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So your golf courses are in competition with all of this. And I suspect drastic changes uh, coming at some point in the future, likely via the payment model. The one thing that has fallen on deaf ears or at least gone to the back burner as of late is the distance debate, right? Remember that a year ago, two years ago, the biggest problem golf had was that guys were hitting it too far. Now it's a lot of other things, right? So we haven't really talked about this. But you still see the reports come out. Oh, the golf ball's never gone further. Uh, professionals are, are hitting it. You know, more guys are hitting it 310 yards on average year in and year out. The game is so much longer now than it was five years ago and 10 years ago. And that creates a ripple effect through the industry, especially on a professional level, of what golf courses are supposed to do. We've already discussed how difficult these are to maintain. Golf courses are difficult to maintain, and they are difficult to set up in a challenging way to the best players in the world. How many weeks are there 20 under par winning scores? Right? Every week, basically. Because golf courses are hard to set up to keep pros from destroying them to keep pros from going driver, wedge, eight-foot putt, right? That's, it's very hard to do. And the, the, the ripple effect is, are we going to be able to go back to Marion? 
are we going to be able to go back to wings foot? These places that are short by most normal professional standards, but also with nowhere to expand. The premier club in the entire world, Augusta National, uh, literally has to buy land outside of its footprint and continue to expand every year. Now, now the 13th tee, it's going back. Add some more. It's just, they can almost, the premier course in the world with unlimited funds can almost not keep up with, with distance, right? It's just almost an impossible thing. We saw Southern Hills have to use tee boxes that were going over other greens to try to get some extra yardage out of these golf courses. So what's the solution? Is it roll back the equipment? Is it do something different and drastic on these golf, make them super firm and super fast? Well, what if it rains that week? You can't really control that. Are you going to install sub air that kind of helps for, I don't know, a million dollars? They're probably, probably more expensive than that. What's the solution? Just make the rough six inches everywhere? Is that a solution? Do people want to watch that? The solution might end up being roll back the equipment. Um, kind of similar to what college baseball did, right? So, so college baseball probably 15 years ago rolled back the aluminum bats. Uh, don't quote me on the, on the statistics here, but they, they did it in a way where I believe they limited exit velocity. Uh, balls, you know, in this certain amount of testing could not come off these aluminum bats faster than, let's just say it's 97 miles an hour, right? In which before it was a lot higher than that. And the idea was one player safety, right? Some of these pitchers were just getting smoked by line drives back up the middle, but also college baseball had a problem where every field is too small, right? 325 all the way around, uh, and everyone's cranking them out of the park. How sustainable is this? We're going to have to move back the fences 50 feet in 300 baseball stadiums across the country. Like, no, it's not going to, it's easier to just regulate the bats. So that's what they did. They went to the BB core bats. They, they, they limited the exit velocity. There was a time when, the highest levels of college baseball were probably the fastest games around. Balls off the bat, balls in play, because these guys were one step away from professional baseball. Many of them, uh, you know, could be on double AA, A, triple A, major league teams in that moment, and they're using these jacked up hot aluminum bats. And then they get into pro ball, and you go to wood, and the game slows down a little bit. There was an argument to be made that 15 years ago, high end college baseball at the College World Series was faster than major league baseball. That's a legitimate argument you can make because of the equipment. So we already have restrictions on driver faces, how hot they can be, right? Uh, Xander had his driver test. They, they, te they test these drivers, right? Um, it is not, I actually think it's quite likely in the future that those restrictions get either more enforced or they get a lot more strict. Uh, you you're going to have a really hard time when the average driving distance on the PGA tour is 330 yards. You're going to have a real, you're going to have a really hard time with that. And I, I think it's probably better for the game that, that, that ends up getting rolled back. That's the obvious answer, right? You make the equipment less hot, whether you want to have a conversation about, do you do that for just the professionals Does that have to go through the entire game, right? Like I, I don't, necessarily think there's a scenario and there's a lot of ramifications of this like why does the, why do the clubs that I play have to be the same clubs that Rory McIlroy plays I'm not as good as him 
he's much better than I am. He's playing on different golf courses that are like, why am I, why do I use the same stuff he uses? So should we just roll back the pro stuff? Um, there's a lot of issues with that. The manufacturers would hate that. They want you to be able to use what they use. But I mean, you can call it the tailor-made stealth and just have a, for lack of a better term, a BB core version of it, right? You could have just a weaker version of the stealth that Rory plays and the regular one that I play. Is that a big deal? I don't know. Equipment, equipment, they would hate it. The other options roll back the ball. Uh, same issues there. Am I using the same rolled back ball? Um, there's, there's just, the ball seems like a, a, a huge issue to me. There's a lot more spin. There's a lot more feel. You're not necessarily using it just for distance, which I think we all agree, like distance is the problem or distance will end up being the problem in the future. Rolling back the ball affects more than just, like I just, I, the ball seems a little too much for me. But I do see a scenario in which um, the drivers end up the drivers end up getting rolled back, and maybe the I don't know I don't know how the iron faces work, but the drivers rolling those back seem like a logical first step because because if you roll back the drivers and you give guys instead of hitting uh, instead of being 120 yards in every time they're 150 yards in every time that's a big difference right even if you don't change anything else about the irons, um, so we'll see we'll see that'll probably get people fired up. And it will definitely get the um, the purists fired up for sure. A couple of wishful thinking items. Um, I don't think I even need to discuss, like, there has to be more cameras on site. There has to be more shots shown. I've probably spent more oxygen on that argument than anything else I've ever argued about. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't need to spend another 10 minutes on that. There needs to be more cameras. Every shot needs to be available. The fact that in 2022 that doesn't exist is mind blowing. Um, I don't. I don't have anything else to say. It's just so insane. It's so insane that 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 doesn't already exist. Um, the other thing that I think, if you look into the future, so what what have we talked about? There is. Um, there are high level. There there are pro problems at the at the highest level of the game in regards to how profitable uh, and efficient these tours are, how sustainable the equipment is, how sustainable these golf courses are. Those are real threats to the highest level of the game over the next 20 or 50 years. One of the things that I've advocated for, and I want to be quite clear because it's going to come off worse than it sounds, is to have less or no fans on the golf course and simply go to golf courses that do not require as much fan infrastructure, okay? We were at uh, Wilmington Country Club this year. It was an unbelievable build-out in terms of the stands, and it was, it was literally unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. There was more grandstands, more people, more walkways, more... It was just, I've never seen anything like it. The other problem is we had to park like 20 minutes away, get on a shuttle, be shuttled in. Like that golf course was not designed to hold 100,000 people in a day. It wasn't. And that's okay. But think about all the places that were ruled out because they could not make that work, right? So take all the money that you spend on grandstands and build out and 
transportation and volunteers and everything else that goes on at a golf tournament down to the porta potties, right? And invest it in the ability to watch the golf. More cameras, more shots. Let me watch it in VR. I watched an NBA basketball game from courtside this season in VR. Pretty cool, right? I didn't have to drive to the stadium. I didn't have to park. I didn't have to take public transportation. I didn't have to pay anything. It was pretty cool. So while the viewing experience continues to get better, you can offer a solution to fans to not go to the golf course because they can follow any player, any group, any hole, anything they want at any time without all the rigmarole that goes into going to a golf tournament. If you can accomplish that, you can then go to any golf course in the world, right? Wouldn't you want to see high-level golf at Bandon Dunes, right? Wouldn't you want to see high-level golf at uh, Marion for the next 50 years? Wouldn't you want to see, uh, like, I don't know, all these places that are going to get boxed out or that we've never seen? We saw Seminole for the first time during COVID. No fans. Uh, Shadow Creek for the first time. No fans. Um, CJ Cup, was it Summit Club? Again, no, like very little fans. But it's just, it opens up so much opportunity. And I get the argument. Like, oh, there's going to be no atmosphere. There's going to be no environment. When somebody holes out and wins the golf tournament, there's going to be no roar. There's going to, like, I get all of that. And maybe it is just offering less fans and the fans that are there in very specific areas close and around holes. But the idea of dropping 100,000 people on Wilmington Country Club on a Saturday doesn't work. It's not built for that. And it's probably never going to be built for that. And the longer we go, as the game grows, less and less golf courses are going to be built for that. So my big future take is that uh, more golf is consumed via... VR headsets via television on demand, the ability to uh, switch around to groups, to players, to holes. I want to stand by the 16th green. No, I want to stand by the 16th tee. Whatever it is, if you can consume it in that way, there's less and less. And that's okay, right? I don't. That's not a knock against going to see golf in person. You should go see golf in person. But like, there's an argument that football is better viewed at home on your... 60-inch television. That baseball is better viewed at home. I've got a strike zone. I can hear what the calls are. I know I can see the stats. When you're in a baseball game, you're like, what the hell is going on? How many, what inning are we in? How many outs are there? I have no idea, right? It's like a weird, it's like a weird experience. In like hardcore viewing baseball is not done well in the stadium. That's for like recreationally, my wife and I going to eat uh, hot dogs and chips and going home in the sixth inning. That's like go. That's, the, that's what you go to the stadium for. If you want to hardcore watch a game, you watch it on your television. And that's okay. That's okay. That's not a knock against the sport. But I think that golf needs to realize we've got to fix the viewing experience before we can tackle all these other problems. I have no idea what the future of golf is going to look like. I imagine it's going to be quite crazy. I imagine there's going to be a lot of technology and there's going to be a lot of competition. We've never seen more money in the game. We've never seen uh, the players being bigger stars than ever before. Um, it, it, this is, all, and when you get a lot of money into any industry, any space, 
there's going to be a lot of evolution in it. There's going to be a lot of change. Um, when you incentivize players to break boundaries of distance like ever before, of fitness like ever before, you are going to get results that are better or, or higher on the bell curve than you ever expected before, which is going to change the state of the game. So um, we, we have a lot that's going to happen in the next five years, and I can't even imagine what it looks like in 50 years. Maybe we're just playing on the moon. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's the, uh, the SpaceX League, and you just play on Mars. Like, that's maybe. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool, right? You take your flying car, your space shuttle up there, play a couple rounds, come back. I don't know. It's going to be awesome. Uh, let me know what you think, because there's a lot more to discuss over the course of the next decade or so. Um, for now, I'll pause. Tweet me, at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment. Engage in the conversation. Join it. Interested to hear what everyone has to say. This has been another episode of 300 Yards to Unknown. Catch you next time.